Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. In today's episode, we are relaunching Amy St. Arnaud's Super Podcast, as we had a technical glitch and the episode was only live for a short period of time. We want to make sure you have a chance to listen to this awesome interview that I had with her. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Amy St. Arnaud. Amy considers herself a dog person who has been converted to a cat person. She first learned about the need for programs to help cats while working at the Toledo Area Humane Society and started a monthly MASH clinic called Operation Felix. This eventually morphed into Humane Ohio Spay-Neuter Clinic, which performs 15,000 spay-neuters annually, of which 70% are cats, and operates a trap loan program, pet food bank, and trapper network for those caring for stray cats. Amy is still a volunteer with Humane Ohio, but works full-time for Humane Alliance, a program of the ASPCA, and trains others wanting to open spay-neuter clinics. Humane Alliance also trains veterinarians and externs from around the world on spay-neuter techniques and shows them our local community cat program in case they are interested in starting one on their own, in their own community. Amy is now owned by two cats, one of which helped her type this by helpfully sitting on the keyboard, so the total conversion is complete. Amy, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hello, thank you. So you have two very, very helpful cats, it sounds like. Yes, I, I actually had to give them treats to keep them away from the keyboard while we're talking. <laughs> I want to thank you. I'm really honored to have you on the show, you and I. We've known each other very much virtually over the years. I think we've maybe crossed paths at a couple conferences, but I, I would say we have a pretty strong virtual relationship. I've, I've followed your work out in Ohio. I would say around the time you probably started thinking about starting your spay-neuter clinic, but I just wanted to find out more details about how you actually decided to start Humane Ohio and maybe even the key reasoning behind starting a high-volume spay-neuter clinic. I really first realized cats were at risk in our community when I was working at the Humane Society and just saw the sheer number coming in. And I don't think I'd really been aware before that. And I think it's always funny, people in this field always think, how do people not know about this problem? But until you actually do, you just aren't aware. So I really didn't know anything about uh, how bad the problem was. So I started reading everything I could. And I met Becky Robinson from Alley Cat Allies. And she actually took me under her wing. And I was lucky enough to shadow her in at Alley Cat Allies for two weeks. She took me trapping on the Atlantic City boardwalk, told me all about TNR. And you really haven't lived until you've been trapping with Becky. That's quite an experience. <laughs> Uh, but uh, at that point, I, I really realized I needed to do something, and I, I kept looking around waiting for someone else to, and I just saw it wasn't happening. There were a lot of rescue groups already, but there was nothing focusing on prevention. I'm a big believer in not reinventing the wheel. There's so many great resources out there. So I found these documents from Operation Catnip in Florida, and they have a great site with their materials all out there for anybody who wants to do a large mass style clinic. 
And I didn't have any money when I was starting this. So we really started putting together a once-a-month MASH spay-neuter program. We had volunteer vets from the community. We used donated and borrowed equipment from different vet clinics. And it was really very successful. We got a lot of support. We were able to do 3,500 surgeries over three years. But I just realized we were never going to get ahead of the numbers. We were going to get ahead of the cats reproducing if we didn't increase our spay-neuters. So that's really how Humane Ohio came about. And I found that Humane Alliance had this national spay-neuter response team where they trained clinics. We were the sixth clinic to go through their program. And now there's 152 clinics, and combined, all the clinics have done over 6 million surgeries, which is pretty amazing. No, it is. I mean, the Humane Alliance model is truly phenomenal, and it's great to know. I mean, 6 million surgeries, that's also quite impressive. Um, So you started out doing these uh, MASH-style clinics. Can you just let our listeners know specifically what a MASH-style clinic is versus a stationary clinic? So a mass style clinic is when you bring everything in with you to a location. So in our case, we used a vocational school auditorium, and we also used our local vet tech school. And we brought all of our equipment. So you bring your tables, your your suture, your gloves, everything, and all your people. You go, you set up for the day, you do your spay neuters, and then you leave at the end of the day and take all of your equipment. So we were storing it all in my garage, and you know that's a great way to get started, but it can be pretty tiring after a while, and it's nice when you finally have a stationary clinic where everything can stay set up and do the surgeries. And then when you decided to uh, start that stationary clinic, how did you handle doing fundraising or how much money did you have to raise in order to be able to open up a clinic? Well, I would hear these stories of all these other people who had benefactors and who had big donors who were bringing, oh, here's $50,000, here's $100,000. And I thought, where do I find these people? I don't know any of these type of people. All my people are poor animal people like me. All of our money goes to our, our dogs and cats. So um, we actually started on a real shoestring. So we raised $13,000 just amongst ourselves and in, in doing some basic fundraisers, you know, the usual, the rummage sale, all of the sorts of things. So we leased a building and and we renovated it all ourselves and put $13,000 into it. And we were just using all borrowed equipment until we finally were able to start going and making some revenue. And then at that point, we were able to start qualifying to get some grants and other donations. And that's where PetSmart Charities clinic equipment grants come in really well. The ASPCA now also has clinic equipment grants. So those, for, for anybody starting now, they're so much luckier because there are these great grants out there that can pretty much get you all the equipment equipment you need. If you were thinking about starting a clinic today in your community, are there certain things that you would want to look at with the community, like the population size of the community or the economic makeup of the community in order to determine if a Humane Alliance style spay neuter clinic is really the best model or are they successful pretty much wherever you put them. We used to say that 250,000 was the population base that you wanted to have in order for this to be sustainable, because that's our goal is to be sustainable through client fees. But now we're actually starting to work with communities that have a much smaller population base and are much more rural and finding that even if they're doing 2,000 surgeries, they can still make a great impact and be sustainable. So on our website, humanealliance.org, we do have a spreadsheet that you can go through. It's an application, and it asks you different questions. It'll help walk you through if your community is right for a spay-neuter clinic. And we just look at things like, is there another one already in your area? Are they at capacity? What's the weight? What are the prices? And do you really think that this is something that you can do in your area? So we'll actually help you figure that out 
and see if it is the right fit for you. Do you have projections of like how many more clinics you'd like to grow on an annual basis? We try to do anywhere between 8 to 15 a year is where we like to be. And we're in 38 states right now, and we would love to obviously see that be in in all 50 states. I think there's a lot more room to grow, and I think a a lot more people are starting to realize that they can do it, even if you're just one person starting it, and that uh, it can be so powerful in helping your community. It's so important for communities to have access to affordable spay-neuter, particularly for community cats, because a lot of private practice as veterinarians don't want to deal with feral cats, and there needs to be a resource for caretakers to go to. And one thing that seems to be happening along with the sort of spay-neuter side of things is also a wellness component. I believe Humane Alliance does have sort of a separate module or thoughts around bringing wellness into that spay-neuter clinic environment. Humane Alliance does not actually advocate or do wellness in the clinics, only because we do want to be respectful of the relationship with our private vets in the community. And so we really want to stick to our mission, which is the spay-neuter and really ending shelter pet euthanasia and also helping community cats. So we really focus just on the spay-neuter. We will do vaccines at the time of surgery, but we really try to refer those out. Uh, There are a large number of our models, though, that do wellness as well. So it can be done, and there are groups doing it, but we do just chose to really focus on the spay-neuter. And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and Iraq war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Escona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping community cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Tell me a little bit about how veterinarians get trained in the Humane Alliance or high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter techniques. This is something I'm really excited about because we actually have, it's a four-day program and they can get continuing education credits by coming through. We work with fourth-year veterinary students and then also with current practicing veterinarians. And so we're going to train about a 1,000 spay-neuter professionals coming through next year. And they can come through on their own for four days. We train in surgical techniques, but we've added a new section about community cats. So when they come in, they're getting experience seeing the cats in traps and and working inducing them, how to handle them safely in the clinic. We show them the drug protocols we use. They learn to do an ear tip and just really learn about what trap neuter return is. Uh, And if they're interested in taking this back to do in their own practice and starting a program, whether it's a spay day or starting to accept community cats, we'll actually work with them to provide them advice and the tools and the resources they'll need. 
So that's very exciting for us that we're able to provide that. But we're also partnering with Neighborhood Cats, who's uh, an organization out of New York City. They're providing scholarships for veterinarians who want to come and attend to help with the cost. It does cost $500 for the week to come through. But, hey, it's Asheville, and you're getting CE and a great experience. So maybe in my dream world, sort of looking down the road for community cats and what life will be like for them is that they could have multiple options for getting access to spay and neuter, not only through a clinic like Humane Alliance Clinic or a mobile clinic, which I'm more familiar with through running um, our cat mobiles at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society or the MASH style clinic, but even there's an opportunity for community cats to get assistance within a private practice. Exactly. And that's why this program is so valuable because we are saying, hey, you can do this in your own practice and we'll show you how. Because I think a lot of them are very concerned about having ferals come in with their clients, how they're going to handle them in the clinic with their staff for safety, where would they put them. So these are things that we can help them with and show them how to do in their own practice. And that's something we would like to see a lot more of. So so we're with you. I'm ready to work on that with you. <laughs> I think that sounds great. I mean, I think that it should become habit forming that this is what you do with a community cat and we don't have to sit around and ask questions about what we should do. No, we trap the cat, we get it ear tipped and spayed and neutered and vaccinated and then we return it back to its colony. Taking the pause at the beginning of the conversation away and just jumping into the doing could be very helpful. And we've had some really great conversation with vets coming through who ask about, well, do you test for FIV and FDLV? And what about disease concerns? And what about putting the cats back out? And so it's really great to have that dialogue with them. And I feel like a lot of them have come away from it really feeling like, wow, that is something I would like to do or I might be interested in doing. So we can play some small role. And we agree with you. We don't want this to just be the spay-neuter clinics providing this. We need to have as much access as possible. I used to say this to our volunteers all the time at our adoption center when they would complain about uh, how somebody was cleaning the litter boxes in a certain way or something like that. And I'm like, you know, we all brush our teeth in different ways, but at the end of the day, all we care about is that the <laughs> teeth get cleaned, you know. So the same story here is, I, you know, I, I don't care where this cat is getting spayed or neutered. I mean, I care that it's a high-quality scenario, yes. but... I don't care whether it's on a, at a mass style clinic or in a mobile clinic or a stationary clinic or at private practice. I just want to get the cat sterilized. Absolutely. If your community has three or four progressively minded veterinarians and your community is not that large, maybe those local veterinarians can handle the load for you. Well, absolutely. And so if you're not at a point where you're able to start a spay-neuter clinic, but you can work with the veterinarians and provide them with the resources, a great option is to say, hey, there's a training at Humane Alliance. Neighborhood cats may be able to provide them with a scholarship to go through. They can come through the training. We can work directly with them. Then they can connect with the local caretakers. That can be a great win-win for everybody. So you are sort of the leader for the mentoring program um, at Humane Alliance. How long is the mentoring process? It generally takes a group that's opening a clinic anywhere from six months to a year. And that may sound like, oh, my God, that's so long. I don't want to go through that. But it really does take that long for the process from the time you have to get the building and do your renovations and get your equipment. But we'll walk you through every step of the way. And having been through it on the other side where I was a clinic going through and now being on, on this side, I'm definitely very aware <laughs> of what it's like to, to start a clinic. But you know, we'll help with budgeting and floor plans and and we'll look at helping you with hiring, but then you'll also come to our 
clinic, you'll come to our training center for four days of training, and then our staff, our team will actually go back with you for four days to your clinic. And then we're available after, too. We don't just say, great, thanks for coming through the training, we're done, goodbye. We'll be there. You can call us, ask questions, you can send new staff through training, we provide webinars and resources, so we try to really make sure that we're there. That's really, it's a tremendous resource to be able to have someone there who's like, you know what, don't worry, I got your back. It's okay. And uh, that's just, I would think, a huge relief to all these organizations. It's huge. And, you know, it's so great because you learn from all the different organizations. Like, I'm constantly learning from our different clinics. And it's so nice to be able to call. Like, we have one, Fix Nation, which is out in Los Angeles, and they solely do cats with a major emphasis on community cats. And so sometimes when I have questions, you know, I can call them up and say, how are you handling this? And so we really all learn from each other. And it really is a, a nice national network. Yeah, I am sure there's a lot of relationships that have developed between one clinic and another clinic. They've developed friendships even probably over the years, and they can uh, reach out and even depend on each other and not necessarily always reach out to you, but they might reach out to another clinic and just, you know, hey, what do, what do you do in this situation and that kind of thing. So that's, that's very, very cool. I want to touch upon again the question of what made you, what made me both be able to say, you know what, we're going to start a clinic. What was the kicking point? And I'll share my story, which was that I was always handling the surrender calls in the early days. So I was getting all the phone calls for surrenders, and our adoption center worked on a service area model. So we had a certain area that we prioritized our intakes of our cats. But we took phone calls, obviously, from, like, all over the world. So I had these Excel spreadsheets in the old days that had in-service area requests, and then I had outside. And so many of the outside of our service area were about colonies. They, we had gotten the reputation about being known for feral cats, for trap, new to return, good colony management. And I had these lists and lists and lists of cats, and I was like, I can't handle this. I knew I couldn't set up another adoption program, and that wasn't the answer to that problem. And so, therefore, I knew I had to get into, had to get our organization into the whole spay-neuter side of things. Was that sort of a similar uh, approach that you had? Was basically your request list was just so bloody long that you knew you had to expand? Yeah, I think for a, a lot of people to take this on, there's, I think, two things. One is I think it's those of us who really root for the underdog. So you see something in need. And, you know, community cats are such an underdog, as well as a lot of pit bulls in a lot of communities. They're, they're the ones that are still, most communities are still trying to figure out how to help and so I think a lot of us who start these types of things think, I've, I've got to do something. I've got to help in some way so I don't feel helpless. And I think we do look around and see, okay, well, all of these adoption programs, all of this stuff is great, but we need to focus on stopping the, the problem at the root. And I think that's why we focus on prevention. I think a lot of it is also just not knowing what you can't do. <laughs> you know, right. I think, right. you know, when you get into it, I, I always hear people when they get into it go, oh, this is so much hard work. I, I didn't realize. But yet at the end, they all say the same thing that I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. I think it's like you said. I mean, I think we really all do. You have that, that moment, that defining moment when you say, I've got to do something. So if you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? Oh, boy. Well, I'm, I am one of those crazy animal people who, of course, always sees every animal in need on the street. Uh, you know, it can be with 20 people and none of them see them, and I'm the one who will see them. So the first thing I would do is make sure he's safe. And then, of course, I'd look for the ear tip. And then I would, of course, check for caretakers. And then I'd see how many more cats there were. 
And luckily, we have a, a database where we keep all the colonies in at, at my clinic. So I would see if that colony is, if those animals in that area, if there is a colony already in, in our database. And if not, of course, then I'd borrow a trap, get out there, and, and start spaying and neutering. Um, and that's where I think, again, having a nice a clinic or a, a, some sort of a program and support really helps when you don't feel like you're all by yourself. You know you have the resources to deal with seeing a stray cat. And, of and, course, um, nowadays, now that I'm a cat person, he might end up in my home. So I guess that's another <laughs> downfall of being a cat person. We have to be careful of that one. It's, it is very hard. It's, uh, our work tends to blend into our lives, and we do have to be somewhat careful of that. If people are interested in finding out more about Humane Alliance and being able to reach out to you, how would they do that? The best place is to start at the website. It's humanealliance.org, and we have a list of all of our programs. So we have training for medical. We have our, our full how to open a clinic, training for veterinarians. We also have a consultation program where we'll come out to your clinic. But we have a great e-learning section as well. So people can just go on and use the resources. It's all free. There's lots of great videos on there. There's We have post-op sheets for community cats, all sorts of resources for community cats on there. And you can also find my email on there and how to apply for all the programs. And is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with our listeners today? Sometimes when people go to our site and they'll say, well, gosh, they're this national training center and doing all these surgeries, and that's great, but how am I ever going to get there? And I think it's just like you and me, each one of us just deciding whether it's trapping one cat, organizing one spay day, organizing one transport to a spay-neuter clinic, just taking that first step. I think you're amazed at how quickly that builds connections And there are so many resources out there to help you now. People can call me. I'm happy to talk to you. I love to talk about cats. And I really like to spay it forward and help people get started like Becky Robinson did for me. I think it's really important that we keep building this network. Amy, I wanted to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. That sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.